Good morning. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, in your word, you tell us that unless you build a house, the workers labor in vain. So in this time together, as we gather around your word, may you build this house. By your Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to see and hear. And open our hearts that we might be transformed at the reading of your holy word. In your son's precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Today's scripture is from 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verses 45 through 47. The scripture can be found on page 307 of your pew Bible. Again, 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47, page 307 in the Pew Bible. These are the words of David. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hand. The New Testament reading is from Paul's letter to Ephesians. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. It's in page 1245 in your pew Bible. Paul says this, starting in verse 10 of chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day And having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. This is the word of the Lord. I was 10 years old. My mother had remarried after my father had died of cancer several years before. And she married a man who'd been at war. And he never talked about it. But one day, my brother and I 
were nine and ten, and we were looking through one of his closets when they were gone. We found this box, this chest, and we were delighted and amazed as we opened it up, and there were memoirs, souvenirs of him being a, an army private in World War II in Okinawa, a bayonet, a Japanese flag, a helmet, and we were fascinated. And so every time it's a Memorial Day, I remember my stepfather that had been shot through the leg, with, you know, had a hole where a bullet went, but never talked much about it. But I remember him. Memorial Day, is it just the end of summer? Is it just kind of an extended vacation? What is it about? How we lost some of the meaning of that? Memorial Day actually has roots in 1861 as widows and wives and mothers who'd lost their boys to war would decorate graves. It was called Decoration Day. In 1882, it became a national holiday called Memorial Day, where we truly honor those who died for us in battle, protecting our freedom. As we remember folks like that, more than just a national holiday, we think about people and their faces. We think about those in our families that have died in battle. We think about the Dosses who lost their son in battle. We think about people, not just an event, a holiday. You think about David. We talk about one of the wars. David's first encounter as a teenage boy, his first day as a soldier, he shows up at a camp with a picnic basket basically to feed his brothers. They're all the tough big guys. And this little teenage kid shows up with a picnic basket. And there's this eight, nine-foot Goliath challenging God's army, defying and blaspheming the God of Israel. And David's like, are we going to do something about this? And he goes to Saul and says, I'll fight. He says he's willing, first of all. One thing we see and learn from this is that we have to be willing. David's willing. And he tries on Saul's armor, and it's like a kid walking around his dad's clothes. It just doesn't fit. He goes, no, I'm ready. He's prepared. He says, I spent my whole youth growing up in the wilderness. If there was a bear attacking, I killed it with my bare hands. If there's a lion, I'd take it by the beard and stab it. I'm good with a slingshot. He said, I'm prepared. So David was both willing to be, was, was willing, and secondly, he was prepared. But thirdly, he stands there in front of this giant with just a slingshot, not, not the kid's slingshot, but a patch of leather with two strands that you swing like this. Some say you can get a stone going 70 miles an hour, very deadly. He stood there, and he and Goliath start trash talking. It's the first trash talking there is in the history of sports. I'm going to feed your body to the eagles. Oh, yeah, I'm going to cut your head off. It's like LeBron talking to a kindergartner kid, really. And then he says, but you know what? I'm dependent. The battle is the Lord's. Three things we see in David that we need to be willing. Are we willing? Are we prepared? And are we dependent on the Lord when we fight our battles? Well, really, I'm the wrong person to talk about this. I'm really out of place here. I don't know what it's like to lay my life down in warfare. But there's a young man. He and his wife, Andrew, have been a part of our community for a long time. And he knows what it's like to be willing to go and serve this country, to be prepared, and then to be dependent on the Lord. It's my privilege to uh, present to you um, Army Captain Troy Vaughn to speak about this. Good morning. So on the holiday established to honor all Americans who have given their lives while serving the United States military, I'm humbled to share with you some personal stories that I hope will, will communicate uh, God's presence in our, our military, the significant sacrifices that our military makes for us, and also the positive impact that our military can have on the world. To start, I want to give you some background about my personal story so that, 
the context of the stories I'll share later, uh, we'll have a better perspective. I grew up in Boulevard, Texas, and uh, became a Christian as a teenager. I entered the United States Military Academy at West Point after high school during a time of peace. On a beautiful fall day in 2001, combat became a reality for all of my fellow cadets and the greater military at large. September 11th had changed all of our lives. After graduation, I spent one year at Fort Benning training to be an infantry officer, and then moved on to Fort Carson, Colorado, and Colorado Springs, where I met my first platoon. The men of my first platoon had spent one year in Korea, defending the border with South Korea from the North Koreans. From there, they'd been deployed to Iraq, where they'd spent a year fighting in Western Anbar province um, and seeing significant combat. The men of my platoon were haggard when I first met them. But true to form, they trained for over a year and were ready to go back one year later. This first picture is uh, October 2006, the day that we left Colorado Springs en route to Iraq. You can tell uh, from, the, from the picture, everybody was disciplined, ready to go, but I can promise you that we were all nervous, even the combat veterans who had been there before. This next picture is of my platoon. 36 men strong, we were the scout platoon for 2nd Battalion, 12th Infantry Regiment, 2nd Infantry Division. As the platoon leader, I was responsible for the tactical deployment of this teams and the welfare of each individual. Our platoon was broken down into three sniper sections and three scout sections, and our job was to conduct, counter -recon conduct reconnaissance missions and interdict bad guys from placing roadside bombs in the streets. This required us to off often enter local houses with local Iraqis inside of them to gain vantage points in the streets so we could conduct our reconnaissance and sniper missions. We would often stay there for 24 to 48 hours. The men of our platoon were very diverse. They came from 12 different states, different races, every socioeconomic background that you can imagine in the United States. But ultimately, we all became brothers with one common mission, and that was to do our job and to protect each other. After 15 months of combat, I'm blessed to say that we sustained only one significant injury and no fatalities. The single injury occurred on a hot day in May 2007, and on that day I experienced the most dramatic and visible exposure of God in combat, and probably of God's exposure in my life to date. Dallas Sanchez from Victoria, Texas, was a, a bright young man. He was a specialist in our platoon, easy to laugh, quick-witted, but one of the toughest men I've ever met when it came under, under pressure. Dallas was on a foot patrol and uh, was three feet from a car when the car exploded. He was engulfed in a ball of fire. Shrapnel hit his right arm, as you can see in the picture up here. And uh, he was fortunate that it did, did not hit any bone, but it did hit some tendons and some flesh, causing significant damage. He's since made a full recovery. The car was loaded with three propane tanks in the trunk of the vehicle. As an engineering major and a combat veteran, I can promise you that the laws of physics say that Dallas should have died that day, but he did not. God's hand was between Dallas and that car. After the ball of fire and the explosion passed, an Iraqi-born interpreter went to Dallas's rescue and was the first to reach him, putting himself in danger to save an American life. Dallas's personality showed through on the way to the hospital, and we turned to the medic who was caring for him in the back of the Humvee, and he said, dude, do I have any eyebrows? The answer was no, but he was okay. This picture here is, is uh, when I first saw Dallas 
after you've been in the hospital and stabilized. And he said a very impactful thing to me when I first walked up to him. He said, sir, someone was watching out for me today. Dallas did not have faith prior to that day. And to be honest, I don't know where his faith is right now. But I do know that on that day, Dallas understood firsthand why Joshua 1.9 reads, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It should go without saying that even all soldiers, whether they're as fortunate as Dallas was on that day, or whether they actually lost their lives, that God is with us everywhere we go, even in combat. Another example of God being present in Iraq and in combat um, in a less dramatic way is this fourth picture. This is of a soldier of my platoon from Arizona. He's playing with a Muslim Iraqi boy. They did not speak the same language or share the same faith, but in my mind, only the love of our God can allow this kind of joy in such a dangerous situation. We'd entered this family's home the night, in the middle of the night and probably scared them, but by the morning, we had gained such a positive relationship with the family that they were allowing their children to play with our soldiers. Now, granted, there was work going on upstairs, but downstairs, when they were off duty, we were able to have this kind of a relationship with the family. And I really think that kind of relationship is a blessing. The next example I'll offer you in this fifth picture is of two ladies. These are sisters in the middle of the combat zone that our battalion held. During one of our overnight missions, we entered the, these ladies' house at uh, probably 1 a.m., and we scared them when we came in. These sisters had lost their husbands who had been killed for their, by their, for their faith. They were obviously Christians. And if you look on the right-hand side of this picture, you'll see a crossing on the wall. Despite being persecuted for their faith, uh, their husbands being killed, and the continued persecution throughout their lives, they continued to proclaim Jesus. God was clearly present in their life. This next story, uh, we're going to start with some images of uh, satellite images of, of Iraq, but hopefully it'll demonstrate how impactful our military is around the world and with our prayers, how they're able to actually expand the kingdom of God. This image is of uh, central Iraq. On the west side, you can see the Euphrates River running through it. And on the east side, you can see the Tigris River. And in between is Baghdad. The area between these two rivers is known as Mesopotamia, or the cradle of civilization. And the biblical significance of this area runs long and deep. And this next image, we'll zoom in a little bit closer, and you can see the heart of Baghdad. This area up here is where the green zone is. Most of you have heard about that on the news. It's where Saddam had many of his palaces and also had his parade field that you saw um, in the early war. This lower area down here is the Dora district, and that's where my battalion had a responsibility for regaining control and fighting al-Qaeda. And this third image is of zoomed in on Dora. And you can see here this big building is a Catholic church located in the heart of Dora. The Catholic church had been damaged during Saddam Hussein's reign and was obviously still damaged when we showed up in 2006. This, the church had not been used since the damage to the building had occurred because it was inoperable. After many months of combat during the summer of 2007, our battalion was successful in pushing al-Qaeda out of Dora with the help of the local leaders and tribes. Our soldiers and our battalion performed in such a manner that we gained the trust of the local community, tribes, and the local mosque and, and leaders of those mosques. Towards the end of our deployment, one of my fellow platoon leaders and his team did something I consider 
unbelievable and truly remarkable. They coordinated with local imams and sheikhs who were the leaders of the mosques in our community to clean up the Catholic Church. Eventually, with Sunni and Shia Muslims standing guard outside this church, local Christians, the Catholic priests, and American soldiers were able to take off their body armor and hold mass. It's tough to describe the significance of this, but I hope that you understand the picture. Sunnis and Shia Muslims don't get along at all. In fact, months before, they were killing each other in the streets for the differences in their faith. But for them to unite together and stand outside of a Catholic church and allow mass to occur was a truly significant event and only capable by the hand of God. Stories like this do not make CNN or BBC, but I believe they clearly demonstrate the way that God can work through the United States military, and we're very blessed to have that military. This next picture is of Sergeant Justin Miller. He was also in my platoon. I show you this picture because I want you to image, have an image of the significant struggles that all of our military goes through. On this night, it was probably 95 degrees. You can see the significant amount of gear that he's wearing. It's sandy. He's sweating. It's 2 a.m., and he's talking on the radio trying to make sure his buddies are safe. Our military, whether they're Army, Air Force, Navy, or Marines, work hard. They're overworked. Later on, you'll see a video from Memorial Day. Every picture that comes up, I want you to imagine the dirtiness, the challenge of stress, and adrenaline going through the men and women in those pictures and realize how significant that work really is, both those who were lost and those who, who survived. Our military also gives up significant time with their families so that we can enjoy ours back here in the States. John fifteen thirteen, Christ says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And since 1776, when our nation was created, our military has demonstrated, demonstrated Christ's definition of love, both for their brothers and sisters in arms, but for all of us here in the seats as, as well. And this last picture I'll share with you is of Staff Sergeant Steve Turnboo. He and I are, are standing underneath Saddam's parade field, the Cross Sabres, and I'm re-enlisting him to stay in the Army. He's been in combat for six months at this point, and he's re-upping for more. With this image, I want, to, I want to leave you with a Memorial Day challenge to remember those who have sacrificed their lives that we might enjoy ours and thank those who have served or are serving you now. The first thing I challenge you with is separate politics from the military. Our nation has gotten significantly better at this than, since Vietnam, but there's still room for improvement. Remember that our military is doing their job to protect us, and they're doing what they're told. Second, I would say love on them. Whether they're serving now or where they have served, say thank you. Buy them a meal if you see a person in uniform in the airport. Give back to them, whether it's through food or donating to the USO, take care of our military. Next, I would say fly your flag. Be patriotic. People notice it. Next, I would say don't forget. Don't forget 9-11 and the challenges that put our nation through and that the threat is still real. Don't forget the sacrifices of the men and women, whether they be police, firefighters, or military, and what they're doing for us on a daily basis. Don't forget those who have fallen. And finally, I would say don't forget to pray for them. 
All the stories I shared with you about God being real in combat were a result of prayer, significant prayer from friends and family. But the military is not the only people that need our prayer. We also need to be praying for their families who are making the sacrifice to be separated from their loved ones for a significant period of time. So thank you for letting me share with you, and happy Memorial Day. That's the real deal. And I would ask just that we do that. Paul says uh, at the start of Philippians, I'll take this out of context a little bit for folks like Troy and Andrea and and folks that have laid their lives down, men and women. Paul says this, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, that we would be thankful that um, we're we're free to worship, that we're free to call upon the name of Christ without fear because of men and women like Troy, and that we would remember that. I think the other thing that would be important here, even on a higher level, would be that we remember someone else has laid his life down for us. Someone else has fallen. Someone else has fought in our place. He fought against sin. He fought against death. In the same way, we talked about David, we talked about Troy and these men and women. Jesus was willing. He was willing to go to the cross for us. Jesus was prepared his whole existence to become a man and on that faithful night, be taken and arrested on that faithful day to be killed for us. He is one of the fallen. He's also one of the risen. And then lastly, he depended on the Lord. Even as he struggled in the garden and said, I don't want to do this, he said, thy, thy will be done. And when you think about that ultimate sacrifice, that's what it's all about. That we're free to worship, but we're lost and not free if we're still slaves to sin and don't know Jesus Christ. You know, when you see those YouTube videos and those pictures where there's a little elementary girl sitting in her class and her, <clears throat> her daddy shows up, surprises her back from war. Or there's a kid playing football and his dad shows up in the field. And you just see the joy and the surprise and the elation in their faces that they got their daddy back or they got their mommy back. Well, that's how God feels about us that he wants to show up in our lives and have us have that same wonderful, elated expression and run to him as our Lord and Savior, as the one who died in our place. The question is, have you done that? Has Christ died in your place? Has he defeated sin and death in your life personally? Because that's the only way it happens. He truly laid his life down, just like these fine men and women. For those of us that know Jesus, the challenge is this. There is a spiritual war going on. There's a battle that you're called to fight. We're called to fight for the kingdom of God, for righteousness, for the gospel of truth. And society has forgotten what truth is about. And we have the same challenge. First of all, are you willing? Are you and I willing to go where God's called us to go? Are you prepared? Do you have your spiritual armor? Do you know the scriptures? Do you have a community of faith? Do you have a group of believers? Are you a prayer? Are you going? Are you prepared to fight the Lord's fight? The battle is the Lord's, but... Are you willing and prepared? But finally, as good, strong, free, affluent Americans, are you dependent on the Lord? David knew he couldn't wear Saul's armor. That was man's way. He said, the battle is the Lord's. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. Are we as a church and individuals dependent on God for all of our successes, for all of our battles? Let's pray together.
Lord, we can't imagine most of us what it would be like to place our life in the way of danger for another. Let us never, as a country, even though war is not at our door, let us never forget these 200-something years of peace have come at a price, that these wonderful people have laid their lives down. They were willing, they are prepared, and they, many of them depended on you, as Troy has. We are thankful, Lord. And may that freedom and that sacrifice inspire us to be free indeed. For if the sun sets you free, you are free. May we be willing to look at the one who laid his life down for us, that we might be saved. And those of us that call ourselves Christians, may we fight the good fight. May we go where you send us. And may we be dependent on you as a church, as a community, as families, and as individuals. Lord, thank you for setting us free. And thank you for those that have died for our freedom. We honor them and we praise you, Lord, in Christ's name, amen.